Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Commander's Contingencies Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the new set release, Theros Beyond Death, and some updates that I intend to make for the podcast. Alright, welcome back. So, today I'm going to be talking about Theros Beyond Death, and as I said in the beginning, uh, updates to this podcast. Now, for one thing, for this podcast, I have decided from now on, I'm going to fo- focus on building decks live on the th- on the channel, because no one else, no other content creators that I have found are doing that consistently, and I want to carve out my own niche. And also, from now on, in my opinion, the content that I have created before this has been subpar. It is not up to my own standards. It is really just an experiment. From now on, though, I want to release the top quality. I want to release good quality content that I am proud of. All right, let's get in to the set. So this set is coming. Has the full spoiler has just been released, and the pre-release of the set is on January 17th, and the full spoiler has just been released. Now, I just pulled apart, pulled to the side cards that I think are significant. Like, for example, I didn't you I didn't include all of the cycles, but I did include at least one piece of some of the cycles that I think are underpowered. Now, I think I'm just going to jump into the cards. Okay, first, we have Underworld Breach. Underworld Breach is one in a red for an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. You may cast cards from your graveyard for their escape cost, and at the beginning of the end step, Sacrifice Underworld Breach. So, many people have been comparing this to cards such as Yawgmoth's Will. Uh, Yawgmoth's Will, if you do not know, is two and a black, and you can cast things from your graveyard this turn. While it is similar, and as you can cast stuff from your graveyard this turn, the escape cost, I think people are overrating it. In very specific decks, where you will have a lot of cards in your graveyard and you only want to flash back really cheap cards, it might be playable. But when you're putting this in your deck, you think through it. Make sure that it is good, because it is only good in very specific decks. Next is Anax, Hardened in the Forge. Anax. Hardened, hardened in the Forge is one red-red for a legendary enchant, cre- enchantment creature, Demigod. And it is a star three. Anax's power is equal to your devotion to red. Each red in the mana cost of permanence you control counts towards your devotion to red. Whenever Anax or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 red satyr creature token with. This creature can't block. If the creature had power four or greater create two of those creature tokens instead. So, if you are cycling through your creatures a lot, you can get value 
Plus, it's just, you could make an interesting, really niche deck with this, but the synergies with it are really narrow, and I don't think it works that great. Uh, Dryad of the Elysian Grove is 2 and a green for an enchantment creature nymph. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Lands you control are each basic land type in addition to their land, their other types. So, that means that they can tap for every color. So, basically you have perfect fixing and you can play an additional land. And in an enchantress deck, enchantresses are creatures that say whenever you cast an enchantment, draw a card. It would really like cards that can play additional lands because that gives you more mana. And it gives you perfect fixing. And it's an enchantment creature. So this goes really well in enchantress decks, but not really in anything else. Next up is Furious Rise. Furious Rise is 2 and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with power 4 or greater, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until you exile another card with Furious Rise. This is great. Most other card draw is just until your end of turn in red. In very specific decks in red, this can be good card draw if you can almost guarantee that you will have a creature with power 4 or greater. Then, because your options are really limited in red, you might just end up running this anyways. It, it, it can work. Heliod Suncrowned is 2 and a white for legendary enchantment creature God. It's a 5-5 with indestructible. As long as your devotion to white is less than 5, Heliod is not a creature. And whenever you gain life, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. I'm sure you guys have all heard of the walking ballista combo with it. Uh oh, and one in a white, another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. Walking ballista is XX for a zero zero creature and it enters the battlefield with x plus one plus one counters on it and you may remove a plus one plus one counter on it to deal one damage to any target so what you can do is you can use heliod sun crown's ability to give it lifelink and then you can deal the damage to an opponent gain a life put a plus one plus one counter on it and just kill the whole table plus there are a lot of other synergies and combos that you can put into the deck, it is not the only one. If You you will probably be able to combo off with this deck. It, it's very similar to Tashar in its combo ability. Uh, Clothis, God of Destiny. Clothis, God of Destiny, is one red-green for four-five legendary enchantment creature god with indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and green is less than 7, Clothis isn't a creature. And, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, add red or green, otherwise you gain 2 life and Clothis deals 2 damage to each opponent. Now, this is comparable to Deathrite Shaman. Deathrite Shaman is a hybrid black or green, and you can tap it to exile target land card from a graveyard and add a mana to your mana pool. You can also exile other things from other graveyards to get other abilities 
from graveyards to get other abilities. But point is, this card is just a gruel value deck. Not necessarily the deck. This is just a good commander if you are doing something in gruel and there isn't a good commander for it. Yeah. Treacherous Blessing is two and a black for an enchantment. When Treacherous Blessing enters the battlefield, draw three cards. Whenever you cast a spell, you lose one life. When Treacherous Blessing becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. So this deck is similar to cards such as Sign and Blood and Night's Whisper. Those are both two mana and black to draw two and lose two life. Um, but the problem with this is over time, it will probably not be worth it. It You could play it in a random deck and it might work. But I would recommend that you play it in something that likes to sacrifice. For example, the Victus Asmati the Dire. And other decks that would like to slash can sacrifice your permanents. Next is a theme in the set, which is whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn. There are quite a few cards in the set that say this. I'm just going to say Wavebreak Hippocamp, which is two and a blue for an enchantment creature, horse, fish. At the beginning, whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, draw a card, and it is a 2-2. This makes me think of Rashmi, Eternity's Crafter decks, and similar decks. Commanders that trigger whenever you cast your first spell during a turn, or during your each opponent's turn, those aren't very common, but those can synergize really well with those cards. Next, we have Nightmare Shepherd. Nightmare Shepherd is two black black for an enchantment creature demon. 4-4. Four, four, flying. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's 1-1 one, one, and it's a nightmare in addition to its other types. So if you are running a deck that likes to sacrifice and then bring back your creatures, this can be really helpful with ETBs because you'll make copies and they will enter and you'll get that ETB again. So this is really good in decks such as Marin and Sacrifice decks such as Yawgmoth. Uh, next up we have Enigmatic Incarnation. This one's really good. Enigmatic Incarnation is two green and blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another enchantment. If you do, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one, plus the sacrificed enchantment's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. This is insanely broken. If This is very similar to Birthing Pod. It's not as good as that, though. Birthing Pod is... Uh, an artifact, and you can tap it to sack a creature and search your library for a creature with CMC 1 higher than that. But the thing about Enigmatic Incarnation that makes it really good, a lot better than it seems, is you can get enchantment creatures, which you can then sacrifice. So you can grab combos really easily. 
say there's a lot of commander decks that can get um that have one card combos with their commanders that are creatures and having the creature that is cmc one less is pretty likely and if you don't you can always grab enchantment creatures that you can then sacrifice it's amazing don't underrate it yes uh erebos bleak hearted is three and a black for a five six legendary enchantment creature god indestructible as long as your devotion to black is less than five erebos isn't a creature and whenever another creature you control dies, you may pay two life if you do draw a card. And one in a black, sacrifice another creature. Target creature gets minus two, minus one until end of turn. So this is basically just a worse Yawgmoth. Uh, but maybe if Yawgmoth is too threatening and your opponents are targeting you because you're playing it, you might want to switch to that. Next, we have Thassa, Deep Dwelling. Thassa Deep Dwelling is 3 and a blue for a legendary enchantment creature god. 6-5. Indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue is less than 5, Thassa isn't a creature. And at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one other target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under your control. And 3 and a blue, tap another target creature. So this is basically just Conjurer's Closet. Conjurer's Closet is 5 for an artifact and it has the end step, exile, target creature, and bring it back. So, you have that for 4 mana, plus you can tap other creatures, plus it could be a creature. It's great. It's just a strict upgrade if you're playing blue and you're running that card. Just switch. And pre-release prices, which by the way, don't buy at pre-release prices. Uh, it's $8. And my guess is it's probably going to go around $4. I don't know, but one or two, maybe three weeks out from release, it's going to be the cheapest. So buy it then, don't buy it now. I've made that mistake before. Okay, Elspeth's Con Conquer's Death. Sagas are back. Three white, white, four, A, Sa Enchantment Saga, one, chapter one. Exile, target permanent opponent an opponent controls with converted mana cost 2 or greater. 2. Non-creature spells your opponent's cast cost 2 more to cast until your next turn. 3. Return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a plus 1 plus 1 counter or a loyalty counter on it. This is pretty good. Um, that 1, if you need to get rid of an opponent's permanent, you can do that. That 2... Hopefully it'll interrupt your opponents. You don't know. That the that that's the problem with that type of thing. Sometimes people just don't change their plans, and you never even know what they would have done. So a lot of the times when you're cutting a card like this, you have to think really carefully because it might have made an impact on the game that you didn't know. And the third one, you can return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to the battlefield. And that's great, but you also have to be really careful when playing Sagas that the game won't end before you get to the third one. Generally, you don't have to worry about them getting removed, but it's, it's pretty uncommon. But if you play this on turn six or seven, the game might end before you get to the third phase. Oh, 
maybe turn it. I don't know. Uh, next, we have another Perforos. Perforos, bronze blooded. Four and a red for a legendary enchantment creature god. Seven, six, indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perforos is not a creature. And other creatures you control have haste. And two and a red, you may put a red card, creature card, or an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. This is good. It's not as good as the other Perforos. But you can cheat in giant things. You can cheat in Eldrazi. You can smack people for a lot. You you can work with it. You can just kill people really quickly. Next is Nyx Bloom Ancient. Nyx Bloom Ancient is four green, green, green for an enchantment creature elemental 5-5. Five, five, trample. If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. Three times! If you tap something, it makes three times that much mana. Not three, adi- not two additional. Three times. This is incredibly powerful. It is seven mana. It's... I'm overestimating it. I just... I just like triple. I I like the number triple. Okay? But in the right deck, this is an, an incredibly good card. Next, we have Protean Thaumaturge. One and a blue for Creature Human Wizard. Constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Protean Thaumaturge become a copy of another target creature, except it has this ability. Now, this is good in Enchantress decks, uh, because you can just copy another one of your Enchantresses, and then you'll get to draw two on your next one. Simple, but sometimes it's even better than that. Uh, Next is Devourer of Memory. Devourer of Memory is blue-black for Creature Nightmare 2-1. Whenever one or more cards are put into your graveyard from your library, Devourer of Memory gets plus one, plus one until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. One in a bl- one blue black. Put the top card of your library into your graveyard. If you're playing Mill, you playing Devourer of Memory can be really good because say your opponents are at 20 life or so, milling 18 cards isn't as hard as you'd think in the right deck. I mean, it's a two one already, and you can use the ability to get a couple more. It's good. You can probably kill people with it. Next, we have one of the Titan Elder Giants. Titans, as people are calling them. Kroxa, Titan of Death's Hunger, is black-red for a legendary creature, Elder Giant. 6-6. Six, six. When Kroxa enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. And when Kroxa enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card, then each opponent who didn't discard an online card this way loses three life. So, when you play Kroxa, if it's your commander, you can either just sacrifice it and send it back to the command zone, and you would win because you can cast it over and over again with infinite mana. So if you have infinite mana, you win. Or you can send it to the graveyard after it's sacrificed and escape for black, black, red, red, exile five other cards from your graveyard, and then it'll get come back each opponent will have to discard a card or lose three life, or a, a non-land card. 
Oh, they can discard a land. If they discard a land card, they also lose three life. And, and when it attacks, it will also have that effect. So being able to recast this over and over again is great. This card is incredibly broken, and there have been rumors of it potentially getting banned. Thassa's Oracle is blue-blue for a creature Merfolk Wizard. When Thassa's Oracle enters the battlefield, you may look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is your is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your grave on your library, you win the game. So this is similar to Laboratory Maniac, which is two and a blue for a 2-2 human wizard. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game, but easier. It's two mana, and you don't have to get to that last card, and you don't have to draw that last card. This could be amazing with some doomsday combos. There have been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk about it in CDH, and it is making the best decks in CEDH more powerful. And there's a lot of talk about it potentially getting banned really quickly, including from the rules committee. So who knows if it will? But it's only 250 right now. So if it doesn't get banned. That's really cheap. This is going to go up if it doesn't get banned. But it might. It might. Dalakos, Crafter of Wonders. One, blue, red, for a legendary creature, Merfolk Artificer. Add, colorless, colorless. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Now, and equipped creatures you control have flying and haste. And it's a 2-4. This is great as an equipment deck in, or just an artifact deck in Is It. If you want a artifact deck in Is It, but want to go from a different angle, go ahead. This is a good one. It could be interesting. I, I'm sure that there are some interesting builds with it. Next is Nadir Kraken. Nadir Kraken is one blue blue for a creature Kraken. Whenever you draw a card, you may pay one. If you do, create a 1-1. One, one, oh, if you do, put a plus one plus one counter on Nadir Kraken and create a 1-1 one, one blue tentacle creature token. Next, we have Satessin Champion. Two and a green for 1-3 creature human warrior. Constellation. Whenever an enchantment Enters the battlefield under control. Put a plus one plus one counter on Satessin Champion and draw a card. This is an Enchantress. Enchantresses, Enchantress decks love Enchantress. It's great. Siona, Captain of the Pylias. When Siona, Captain of the Pylias, enters the battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal an R card from among them and put it into your hand. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to a creature you control, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. This also has some combos associated with it, and it can also be used as an enchantress deck with touches of auras. Next, we have Storm Herald. Storm Herald is 2 and a red for a creature human shaman with haste. 
When Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. So, sadly, you cannot keep the tokens because if they'd leave the battlefield, they get exiled. Are not the tokens the auras? But it's a really good way to get a ton of auras back and probably, or maybe kill someone. It's a great way to do a lot of damage in the late game. Next, we have Uro. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. One, green, blue, for a 6-6 legendary creature, Elder Giant. When Uro enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. And when Uro enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life and draw a card. Then, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And escape. Green, green, blue, blue. Exile five other cards from your graveyard. So, what you can do is you can cast Uro. You can draw the card and play the land. And then, next turn, if you have another land in hand, you will have gotten the two lands so you can play... Pay the commander tax if you sack it and send it back to your commander, to your command zone. So, so long as you have the two lands in the two draws slash previously in your hand, you can cast it over and over again each turn and draw and ramp and gain life for a while. And when you can't do that anymore, you can have it escape for green, green, blue, blue and exile five other cards from your graveyard. It's great. It's good ramp. It can. It's a nice commander. If you if there's no other commander that will do it for you, it's good value. Next is Archon of Sun's Grace. Two white white for a creature Archon. Three four flying lifelink. Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink. And constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control. Create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with flying. This is good in Enchantress decks, as it could be a win con, making the Pegasus eye. It's great. Plus, they have lifelink, so you can gain some life. Yeah. Uh, or Atris, Oracle of Half-Truths. 2, blue, black, for a legendary creature, human advisor, menace. When Atris, Oracle of Half-Truths, enters the battlefield, Target opponent looks at the top three cards of your library and separates them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Put one pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard. This is very similar to other Flicker or ETB commanders and doesn't leave that much extra opportunity. It's different than the other ones. For example, Gonti gets the cards from your opponent's library as this gets it from your own. And it's different from Silumgar because it draws, and Silumgar just steals stuff. But it's still the same old cards. It's still really repetitive. It It's good, but it's just nothing new. Next, we have another Pelucranos. Pelucranos Unchained. Two, black, green, for legendary creature Zombie Hydra. When Pelucranos enters the battlefield with 6 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, it escapes with 12 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it instead. If damage would be dealt to Pelucranos while it had a while it has a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it, 
Prevent that damage and remove that many plus one plus one counters on it. And one black green. Pelucranos fights another target creature. And escape four blue four black green. Exile six other cards from your graveyard. This is a big beater. If you are in a deck that wants big beaters, you can put it in. If you are not, do not put it in. It's that simple. And also make sure you can escape with it. Because if you can't escape with it, it's pretty mediocre. But the fight ability can also be really nice in specific decks. It's great. Tectonic Giant. More red card draw. Love red card draw. Two red red for a creature elemental giant. Whenever Tectonic Giant attacks or becomes the target spell of a spell or ability or becomes the target of a spell an opponent controls, choose one. Tectonic Giant deals three damage to each opponent. Exile the top two cards of the library. Choose one of them until end of turn. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. The end of your next turn. That's great. And it's when it attacks. And if your opponents want to get rid of it, then they will then you will still draw. Next. Gary is reprinted. Grey March Runa of Asphodel. Three black black. For a 2-4 creature zombie. When Gary enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black. E you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Gary! Idyllic Tutor was also reprinted. Two and a white for a sorcery. Search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. This card used to be $40 for three mana tutor. Uh, right now, uh, they're going for about ten dollars, but they they will probably drop down to about five. It it's great. Uh, what do we have? Uh, Shatter the sky. Shatter the sky is two white white for sorcery. Each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card. Then destroy all creatures. So it's like Wrath of God, but people can draw a card. So. Basically, the choice between this and Day of Judgment. Day of Judgment is Wrath of God, but cheaper, and it doesn't regenerate. Shadow of the Sky also does not regenerate. And that is whether you are likely to have a creature with power for it greater. Because if you have one, it's extremely unlikely that all of your opponents have creatures with power for it greater. Then you will probably come out ahead. It's a great wrath. Um, there's a lot of competition in white for wraths, so it might not make it in. But if you are likely to have a creature with power four or greater, then you should probably run that card. Storm's Wrath is two red red for sorcery. Storm's Wrath deals four damage to each creature and each planeswalker. It's another good wrath. In specific decks, if you have either big toughness, uh, if you either have a lot of big creatures or high toughness, or you have some kind of benefit from damage, then this can be great. But it's pretty corner case scenario. And maybe you just need a wrath. That also can work. Next, we have Calyx, Destiny's Hand. Two green white for a legendary creature. Legendary Planeswalker, Calyx. Plus one. 
Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an, ench an enchantment card from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Negative three, exile target creature enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. And negative seven, return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. And he has let loyalty of four. So this can go in enchantress deck and it will get you enchantments from the top of the library and you might be able to ultimate it if your opponents don't do anything about it. And you can also get rid of your opponent's creatures or enchantments and until an enchantment I control leaves the battlefield, which enchantments are pretty hard to get rid of. Next up is Soul Guide Lantern. When Soul Guide Lantern enters the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard. Tap, sacrifice Soul Guide Lantern. Exile each opponent's graveyard. One tap, sacrifice Soul Guide Lantern. Draw a card. This, in my book, is now one of the best pieces of graveyard removal. It does not compare with cards that make that keep it so that your opponents can't use their graveyards forever, but I don't like using those cards because, I don't know, I just want my opponents to be able to play the game, and if I play a card like that, that just means that they are probably not going to be able to win. So Soul Guide Lantern is now, in my book, because I don't want to use those cards, one of the best graveyard removal cards, and you should always be running graveyard removal cards. Next, we have Nyx Lotus. Four for a legendary artifact. Nyx Lotus enters the battlefield tapped. Tap, choose a color. Add an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion to that color. This card is rarely good. It, in specific decks, if you are really aggressive and you want big mana, like in an elves decks, for example, if you play out all your elves and then you play out a Nyx Lotus, you will have so much mana. If you are aggressive and you ramp really quickly and you get out a lot of creatures really quickly, Nyx Lotus can be playable sometimes. But you have to be really careful when you're putting it in your deck and make sure that it works. Next, we have Heliod's Intervention. X, white, white, for an instant. Choose one. Destroy X target, target artifacts and or enchantments. And target player gains twice X life. I Heliod's Intervention is now one of the better destroy two artifact or enchantment cards. But it it's good, but the rest of the cycle, in my opinion, is not quite playable. Next, we have Mystic Repeal. Oh, technically it says you can gain twice X life, but that, that's basically irrelevant. All right, this episode is not taking as long as I thought, so I'm going to talk about some more cards to finish off the cycles that I didn't finish off. Okay, next we have Nylea, Keen-Eyed. Three and a green for a legendary enchantment creature god. 
five, six, indestructible. As long as your devotion to green is less than five, Nylea isn't a creature. And creature spells you cast cost one less to cast. Two, green. Reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it in your hand. Otherwise, you may put that put it in your graveyard. Creature spells costing one less is really good. Um, if I'm casting a lot of creatures, like in a type of creature storm deck, I've never actually seen that deck, but I want to build it. Hey, maybe I'll build that on a future episode. So let's see. Tell me if you want to see that. Not that I have literally any vi- any listeners. Uh, next we have Kiora bests the sea god. Four, five, blue, blue for a saga. Chapter one, create an eight-eight blue t- kraken t- token with hexproof. Two, tap all non-land permanents target opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. Three, gain control of target permanent on opponent controls. Untap it. Temurat calls the dead. Two and a black. One and two, put the top three cards of your grave of your library into your graveyard. Then you may exile a creature enchantment card from your graveyard. If you do, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. You gain life and scry X where X is the number of zombies you control. You can put that in a zombie tribal deck that likes to create lots of zombies. There are a lot of different variations on zombie tribal. If you are playing a version that likes to create masses and masses of zombie tokens, go ahead. Alright, the Akroan War. 1. Gain control of target creature for as long as the Akroan War remains on the battlefield. And 2. Until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able. And 3. Each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. Okay, this is good if A. You are running something that cares about damage. B. You just kind of like messing with combat, kind of like, um, what's that Jund legend that makes people attack? Whatever, the Jund legend that makes people attack. The first Iroan games is 200 green, chapter 1, create a 1-1 human soldier creature token. Chapter 2, put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on target creature. You control. Chapter 3, if you control a creature with power 4 or greater, draw 2 cards. And chapter 4, create a gold token. Gold, if you do not know, it can sacrifice for a mana of any color. Um, this is great. You can draw 2 cards on chapter 3. You can make a mana, and it's only 3 mana. If you care about making that token, if you care about token if you care about plus one plus one counters having a creature with power four greater is nice it just works well in a lot of decks next we have elspeth sun's nemesis two white white for a legendary creature elspeth with five loyalty minus one target up to two target creatures you control each get plus two plus one until end of turn minus two create two one one White human creature tokens. Negative three. You gain five life. Escape. Four white white. Exile four other cards from your graveyard. You may cast this card from your graveyard for your for its escape cost. So. I'm sorry. I have the hiccups. So. I don't know what this would go in. Maybe like a life gain deck. 
I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it would go in any deck in particular. Next, we have Nylea's Intervention. X, green, green, for a sorcery. Choose one. Search your library for up to X land cards. Reveal them. Put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. And Nylea's Intervention deals twice X damage to each creature with flying. Being able to get rid of creatures with flying is really good. Basically, if you have issues with flying, you just don't anymore. And being able to get X land cards can be really helpful in specific decks that can either play a lot of land cards on a single turn or can throw them at people for damage. That that was last episode I made that deck. Uh, Perforos' Intervention. Uh, X red sorcery, choose one. Create an X one red elemental creature token with trample and haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. And it deals twice X damage to target creature or planeswalker. This is not that good in very many decks. Maybe a Greven deck, which can sacrifice a creature and you draw cards equal to its power and lose them equal to its toughness. So it's kind of like a draw X and then you lose a life. It's it's not great. Uh, we have Erebos' Intervention. X and a black instant choose one target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn and you gain X life. Or t- exile up to twice X target cards from graveyards. It graveyard removal is good, and being able to choose in between them is good, but this is just bad at doing two things. Like, I'm just gonna make a metaphor. Like, for me, I, I like camping and stuff and outdoorsiness. Multi tools are really bad because a lot the problem with multi tools is they're just bad at doing a lot of things, they are just bad at everything. You you don't want it if it doesn't do one thing well, because what's the point of it doing it? You want it to do it well. So I don't use multi-tools, and you probably shouldn't run this card, is my conclusion. That was probably a random, irrelevant rant. But, you know. Thassa's Intervention. X, blue, blue, instant. Choose one. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put up to two of them into your hand, and... The rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Counter target spell unless its controller pays twice X. Arasta of the Endless Web. Two, green, green. For a legendary enchantment creature spider, reach. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-2 spider creature token with reach. This is... You have no control over how this goes. You just kind of hope you get lucky. If you want to throw this in to a spider tribal deck, or maybe you want to try something crazy and try and make your opponents cast spells. I've done that before. I made an Ishai deck that tried to make, to bounce a lot of my opponent's stuff and make them cast spells over and over again. Now, the problem with that is it focuses heavily on blue and you don't have blue, but if you have green, you can work with some um you can work with some group hubs group hug stuff which will give your opponents mana and draw them cards and make deals with them it it's not really going to work very well it doesn't have enough colors but i don't know if someone wants to build that deck i would love to see it 
uh, Eidolon of Obstruction. One, and a white for an enchantment creature spirit. First strike, loyalty abilities of your planeswalkers, your opponent's control cost one more to activate. This is going to be a huge hindrance on, on, on a Super Friends deck. Super Friends decks focus on having five or six or whatever, three or five or six or whatever crazy amount of planeswalkers on the board and activating them all and then playing another one so that you just can't kill them faster than they're being pumped up. If it costs them mana to activate them, they're not going to be able to do anything other than activate them, which is going to make it really hard to protect them. So you can attack them, and it's a creature. It's a 2-1, so you can attack them with that. Next, we have... What do we have? Uh, Nessian Boar. Nessian Boar is 3, green, green, for a creature boar. 10-6, all creatures able to block Nessian Boar do so. Whenever Nessian Boar becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller draws a card. If your deck cares about power, then that's a really good card. Quick note, when running cards that care about some things, or things that benefit from things that care about that, you want to count your numbers, and you want to use a hypergeometric distribution calculator. A hypergeometric distribution calculator is basically a way that you can figure out how often you are going to draw something, right? Population size is the number of cards in your deck. Number of successes in population is the number of cards in your deck that you would count. Sample size is the number of cards in your that you will draw. And the number of successes in sample is the number of cards that you want to get. So if you want something that has big power and something that benefits off big power. So let's see, population size 99. Let's say 13 big power. Uh, we'll say by turn 5, so 12 cards, and I want to get 1. So I want to get 1 big power. Oh, look at that, an 83% chance. And let's try the same thing for benefit. Right. So overall, I have about like a 65% chance to benefit off of those synergies. A little bit higher, that's not perfect math. But it gives me good enough odds that I feel comfortable running those. If your numbers are lower than that, you need to seriously consider either adding more payoffs or more things that trigger your payoffs, or you need to consider cutting that feat. Another thing to know is look at your payoffs. How many times do they have to be triggered in order to for it to be worth it? That's the number you're going to put into your hypergeometric distribution calculator. That has been very helpful to me when I'm cutting cards. Clothis's design. Five. Green. For sorcery, creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is your devotion to green. It's just another team pump effect. Nothing special. Simple. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, Nessian Wanderer. One in a green for a creature, state, or scout. 
Constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a land card from your from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is really good because you can grab lands in your enchantress deck, meaning that A, you'll filter some lands out of the way, and B, all of the enchantments that let you play extra lands, yes, there is pretty good density of them, can be used well. So there is also Underworld Dreams got reprinted for all you Nekasar players. Black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Underworld Dreams deals one damage to that player. That's not too relevant. It never got too expensive. At least not that I know of. I don't know. Uh, we also have a lot of cards that say that have the heroic ability, basically. Whenever you cast a spell that targets it. Uh, so, let's see. There's Hero of the Games. Two and a red. For a creature, human, soldier, whenever you cast a spell that targets hero of the games, creatures you control get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. There's hero of the pride. Whenever you cast a spell that targets hero of the pride, creatures you control get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn, and that's a 2-2 two, two for one and a white. Hero of the nextborn. One, red, white, for an enchantment creature, human, soldier. When hero of the nextborn enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. And whenever you cast a spell that targets hero of the nextborn, Creatures you control get plus one, plus O until end of turn. So all of these cards work well in a feather deck. Feather the Redeemed. Uh, there's also Heliod's Pilgrim, which I think is a little bit underrated. Two and a white for a creature human cleric. When Heliod's Pilgrim enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an aura card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. That got reprinted. Return to Nature got reprinted. One in a green for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target artifact, destroy target enchantment, or an exile target card from a graveyard. That's great. It is definitely top tier artifact and enchantment or enchantment removal. Alright. Oh, I almost forgot about Athreos Shroudveiled. Athreos Shroudveiled is four. White, black for a legendary enchantment creature god. Indestructible. As long as your devotion to white and black is less than 7, Athreos isn't a creature. And at the beginning of your end step, put a coin counter on another target creature. And whenever a creature with a coin counter on it dies or is put it into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your, under your control. So you can steal your opponent's stuff with it, and among other things. Ashiok, Nightmare Muse. 3. Blue, black. For a legendary creature, plan legendary planeswalker, Ashiok. 5. Loyalty. Plus 1. Create a 2, 3. Black and blue. Nightmare creature token with. Whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exile the t exiles the top two cards of the, their library. Negative three. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Then that player exiles a card from their hand. Negative seven. You may cast up to three target face-up cards from your opponent's own from exile without paying their mana cost. Next, we have Dream Trawler. Two, white, white, blue, blue, for creature sphinx, flying lifelink. Whenever you draw a card, dream trawler gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. And whenever dream trawler attacks, draw a card. Discard a card. Dream trawler gains hexproof until end of turn. Tap it. Uh, that's great. And card draw ducks. Gaia of the Endless Dance. Red, green, for a legendary creature satyr. Two, two, haste. 
Other satyrs you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. Whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random if you do draw two cards. This isn't that viable. There's only 19 satyrs in the game. You could do it. I mean, it's just another under-printed uh, creature type out there. And the temples got reprinted. Temple of Enlightenment, Temple of Deceit, Temple of Malice, Temple of Bend, and Temple of Plenty. These are lands that enter the battlefield tapped and tap for one of two colors, white or blue, blue or black, red, black or red, red or green, and green or white. And when they enter, scry one. And that is the set. But there are also Elspeth, Undaunted Hero. Two white, white, white for a legendary creature. Elspeth put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. And negative one, you can search for a card named Sunlit Hoplite. Put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. And until end of turn, creatures you control get, pl get flying and get plus X plus X, where X is your devotion to white. And as long as it's... And Sunlit Hoplite is, a, is as long as your turn... It's your turn, it has first strike, and it gets plus one plus low as long as you control it. And Elspeth, Planeswalker. Alright, and we have an Ashiok, Sculptor of Dreams, plus two, draw a card. Each player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Four blue-black, four loyalty. Negative five, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under control. And negative eleven, gain control of all creatures target opponent controls. And we have a Victory's Envoy, three white white for a creature human cleric. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. And we have an Grasping Giant. When gra whenever Grasping Giant becomes blocked by a creature, no. We have a Serpent of Yawning Depths, four blue blue for an enchantment creature, Serpent. Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents you control can't be blocked except by Krakens, Leviathans, and Octopuses. That is every single card in, in the new set that I found to be relevant. I hope you enjoyed, and I will see you next week. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Um, I will see you next week.